Folks, financial experts thought we were in the clear. They were anticipating around six rate cuts by the Fed this year, and then the inflation data came out higher than expected again, just like we've been predicting. Friends, this isn't going away anytime soon. It can't. The U.S. is $34 plus trillion in the hole, and yet we keep printing money, which pushes the prices you pay every day even higher, whether it's at the grocery cart or at the gas store. So, You can either bury your head in the sand or you can do something about it. Diversify a portion of your savings into gold with Birch Gold Group. Gold is your hedge against inflation and Birch Gold makes it easy to own. They will help you convert an existing IRA or 401k into a tax-sheltered IRA in gold and you don't pay a penny out of pocket. All you got to do to get started, text Just News to 989898 and get your free info kit on gold. Then talk to a precious metal specialist on how to protect your savings from persistent inflation. The way to do it with gold. All you got to do to get started on that journey with my good friends who I trust more than anyone at Birch Gold Group, text Just News to 989898 right now. Hello, America, and happy Wednesday. we got a great show for you today. A lot of news to dive into. As you know, we have been following the story. In fact, we broke the story. We got Congress on the trail. Jim Jordan was investigating because of the news that we broke. We learned first late last year and again just a month ago that the United States Justice Department, both under Donald Trump and under Joe Biden, they were spying on members of Congress and their staffs. The very staffs, the very investigators in Congress who were investigating the Justice Department and FBI about things like vice abuses and Russia collusion and Hunter Biden. Well, the Justice Department was spying right back on. They were following what they were doing. They subpoenaed their phone and email records, including personal records, which doesn't make sense since it should have been about their job and their work. Well, that has become, I think, launched a maelstrom in Congress. Democrats and Republicans agree on one thing. This wasn't right. And Jim Jordan has sent oversight letters to the telecommunications company say, dump all your documents. We want to know everything the Justice Department sweeped up to you when it came to these members of Congress, which, by the way, range from Our good friend Cash Patel at the House Intelligence Committee, Jason Foster at the Senator Grassley slash Senate Judiciary Committee. We're told that Democrats, including Adam Schiff and a staffer for Senate Democrat leader Chuck Schumer, they all were ensnared in this sort of dragnet of spying on Congress and its constitutionally protected oversight responsibilities. Well, we continue to get new information. And yesterday, I told you there was going to be some developments. And here is the developments. Jason Foster, now the head of Empower Oversight, the whistleblower center that gave us the IRS whistleblowers, the FBI whistleblowers. He was one of those spied on. And he has been pressing Google to find out how did this happen? And by the way, how did it take six years for Google to tell me that my phone records and email records have been taken? And he got an answer. It's a blaring headline answer. Jason Foster was told that the Justice Department went year after year for five consecutive years and got an ex parte court order, an order where Jason wasn't even allowed to object because he didn't know about it, to seal and hide from Congress the fact that he had been spied on. And we believe all the other members of Congress and their staffs likewise face these orders. That's a big story. We're going to bring Jason on in the second block of the show. We're going to have Cash Patel in the third block to remind you how this story started and why it is so chilling to Congress, to the ability to investigate federal executive branch agencies, and why it could also scare away future whistleblowers. Maybe the next Gary Shapley or the next Joe Ziegler or the next Steve Friend won't come forward 
because they fear, well, my man, maybe they're spying on them right now and they're going to know my name and I'm going to be in trouble and I'm going to lose my job or lose my security clearances, which has happened so often in the FBI. So we're going to tackle that in the second half of the show. In the first half of the show, we're going to be talking about China because right now Joe Biden and President Xi of China are meeting in San Francisco, kind of a staged event. Gavin Newsom had to clean up all the homelessness and crime in the city, make it pretend look good for a few days, and then it'll go back to the the sort of dump that it has become, sadly, a beautiful city that's been ruined by crazy liberal leftist policies. But there is a lot at stake, and I think a lot of people are already beginning to see the outlines of an additional failed engagement with China. We've had several of them going all the way back to the first month of the Biden administration when the summit in Anchorage with the State Department and Secretary of State Anthony Blinken went so badly. We were embarrassed, right? The Chinese showed us up. They made fun of us. They mocked us. Well, it's been going on ever since in the air and the waters, in all the money that China has spent in violation of embargoes and bought cheap Iranian oil, which has replenished the coffers of Iran when it comes to cash, something that had been depleted by Donald Trump. All of those things have happened. What we want to get to understanding of what could happen today, what should happen what versus what's going to happen. And I've got a good one to help us kick us off today. Steve Yates is currently at the American First Policy Institute. He's a senior fellow. He runs the China Policy Initiative there. But before that, he previously was the former president of Radio Free Asia, the government-run radio that network that targets China and Asia. Before that, he was the deputy national security advisor to Vice President Dick Cheney during the Bush years. He is a subject expert extraordinaire when it comes to China, and he's going to lay out for us on so many different fronts what is at stake today, including fentanyl, because China has to be pressed on all the ingredients it allows its manufacturers to make that go to the drug cartels, that go to create the poison that is killing our children. And as you're going to hear from Steve, this has a very personal connection to him. I mean, very personal, very painful going to describe it in the interview. So that's our show today. We're going to take a quick commercial break. When we come back, Steve Yates from former Deputy National Security Advisor to Vice President Cheney, currently a senior fellow at America First Policy Institute, right after these messages. Hey folks, it's John Solomon here. Today, I want to shine a light on AMAC, an organization who's dedicated to America's seniors, but is vital for conservatives of all ages. AMAC stands out by not only advocating for senior issues, but also by pushing for conservative values that affect us all. By joining, you're not just supporting our senior citizens, you're part of a movement defending the freedoms that made this country great and to ensure that we secure our nation's future. Plus, membership brings you exclusive benefits like discounts on travel, dining, and entertainment, and of course, special insurance rates, one of the things I like. Regardless of your age, if you're driven to preserve freedom, AMAC welcomes you. This is about uniting youthful vigor with the wisdom of experience and our quest to keep this country great. Sign up now for amac.us slash justnews. And for a limited time, you get a free gift membership for someone else who shares your love for our great nation. Don't miss out on this chance to make a difference from AMAC. Join today at amac.us slash justnews. That's amac.us slash justnews and extend the invitation to a friend or family member for free. What a great opportunity. Folks, Field of Greens is the healthiest thing I do every day, and I want you on this journey with me. Why? It's literally one scoop a day. It tastes great. I love the fruit flavors particularly, and it's completely improved my life and my health. This is nutrition the way 
nature intended. When I began taking a hard look at why I wasn't feeling good and why I felt unhealthy, why I was gaining weight, why I was losing energy, it wasn't just because I had hit my 50s. No, it was because I wasn't getting the right amount of fruit and vegetables in my diet. And listen, it's, I'm just too busy to go to the store, clean up the vegetables, cook uh, uh, vegetable dinners, and make sure I hit the fruit. A field of greens stepped in. One scoop of powder in my drink or on my eggs in the morning, and boom, I was off and feeling better. And suddenly, I was losing weight. I was sleeping better. My metabolism went up. My blood sugar went down. My cholesterol went down, and my weight went down. And my doctor said, hey, whatever you're doing, keep it doing. You know what that is? It's Field of Greens. That's what I've been doing. Field of Greens is radically different. Each organic fruit and vegetable was medically chosen to support heart and vital organ health. I trust Field of Greens to keep me healthy. I promise you, you're going to love this product. But if for any reason you don't, they'll give you your 100% money back guarantee. Now, you're going to get 15% off your first order plus free rush shipping because of the incredible partnership we have here at Just the News with Brick house nutrition and of course field of greens all you got to do to take advantage of this offer visit fieldofgreens.com and use the promo code just news that's promo code just news at fieldofgreens.com don't wait go to fieldofgreens.com today use the promo code just news for 15 percent off all right folks welcome back from the commercial break as you know president biden president xi are meeting today in san francisco yeah that's the place where the california governor gavin newsom cleaned up the homeless problem so that china won't be able to make an issue of it although i'm sure the chinese president could just mention oh we know about it we saw it on our satellite balloon before we went about and crossed your country with our balloon you didn't shoot it down but today's a very big day in chinese u.s relations and uh, there's a lot at stake and there's a lot of questions about where america Americans' priorities are in this fight with China. We have the perfect next guest. He is at the America First Policy Institute. He's a senior fellow, and he runs the China Policy Initiative there. Before that, he served as the president of Radio Free Asia, and all the way back in the Bush administration, was deputy national security advisor to Vice President Dick Cheney. Joining us right now, Steve Yates. Steve, great to have you on the show. Thank you, John, for having me. A big day in U.S.-China relations. I'm not sure what we're going to end up with when we get out. What are you looking for? What are the telltale signs of what's going to happen between President Biden and President Xi today? Well, John, I guess if you begin with the theater of these encounters, and there always is some communications by way of the theater, I'd say that America is starting off from a position of weakness uh, for the following reasons. Number one, we're giving the dictator of China a Chinese-like experience by clearing the people off of the street and having it lined by pre-programmed PRC uh, welcomers and their national flags going into San Francisco. Uh, we, uh, we are basically asking him for cooperation when we, in fact, should be the aggrieved party. The American people have suffered tremendously based on the decisions made by Xi and his Communist Party of China. Uh, the balloon was an offense and an expense, eventually was shot down by a multi-million dollar missile. Uh, but we suffered tremendously by the, the export and lying about COVID. Uh, we suffer from the export of the fentanyl precursors. We suffer enormously by the manufacturing jobs hollowed out and our over-dependence on supply chains to China. We can go down the list. Uh, we should have an, a president who is standing muscularly in China's leader's face saying, uh, welcome to my country. Here are the pro-Hamas protesters you have paid for and supported around the world to greet you. 
uh, and we should be telling him, why are you trying so hard to be the enemy of the American people? Because that sure seems like what your actions are begging for. Yeah, yeah, that's exactly it. And it seems at least the history of this administration going all the way back to the Alaska summit at the, you know, the beginning first weeks is to be tepid, to be uncertain, to be nibble around the edges and rather than go right at the key issues. Any signs that that changes today? Or do you think we're in that nibbling, mumbled sort of approach to confronting our adversaries? I think they still sound rather passive. I mean, the president of the United States was talking at a, a meeting by the, the very well-heeled, over-eager business community paying high ticket prices to stand around and talk up China that uh, just wants to get things back to normal, you know, back to open up communication channels. We've had retired chairman of the Joint Chiefs of Staff hitting the airwaves talking about, oh, how scary it is if we decouple from China because how, the, how will we ever be able to communicate as if the Chinese leadership worries one second about that. Uh, and uh, so I think in, in some ways our, our mood music, the theater, and some of the rhetorical setup is one of concession. Uh, and uh, so I, of course, I would welcome there to be an outbreak of peace and sanity. I would welcome some sense that China was deterred and would maybe get its own house in order before trying to export more totalitarianism and disrupting key regions of the world. But hope isn't a foreign policy, much less a national security strategy. And so I think, unfortunately, that's where we are. These guys don't really want to criticize the leader of China because in some ways, his critique of the United States is their critique of the United States. And that's just super awkward for them. Yeah, uh, there's no doubt. There is a second component of this when President Biden is done. Many of the top business leaders in America, part of the U.S.-China Business Council, will be having dinner with President Xi. A lot of people say, hey, corporate America has driven a lot of decisions and some would say concessions to China over the years in the name of profit. But sometimes it feels as though profit took over national security. How important is this dinner? And what signal does it send that the American business community wants to spend time with President Xi? I hope, again, that doesn't make it a strategy, but I hope that the odor of this kind of a gathering begins to make people feel a bit squeamish about attending these kinds of things going forward. Uh, they seem to have their moments where they find a moral compass or even a fake moral compass from time to time where they don't want the appearance of standing on the wrong side. Uh, but what the Communist Party of China has done with genocide against the Uyghur Muslim population, squashing freedom in Hong Kong, threatening the free democratic people of Taiwan, uh, and then the host of things that attack our institutions and our very own children, mentally through manipulation of apps and collaboration with networks here, the, whole, the litany goes on. Uh, you'd think that the business community, sure, they made a bad bet, uh, and they should own that. Uh, but the Communist Party didn't make China modern and rich. The West did by showering them with opportunity. If we move that in a different direction, that would be costly. It might be difficult and painful, but it would be right. And we would build opportunity elsewhere the way we had with China before. And that would be, what, frankly, what the Communist Party has earned. And that, that's what some people will call decoupling. I call it reality. 
when you punch me in the face and you steal things from my family, it hurts to change our behavior, but nonetheless, we're going to go ahead and do that. Yeah, that's such a great point. There is an enormous opportunity in this adjustment. If the American business community and the American policy community can get together, and of course, you're putting together some of the most important concepts and solutions at AFPI, but there's a chance to also create a manufacturing renaissance in the United States. We we, we learned painfully during the COVID crisis that uh, America had outsourced too much of its supply chain, and all of a sudden we're at the mercy of a, a frenemy or an enemy or an adversary. Uh, the opportunity to not only readjust the power balance between the United States, but the launch of manufacturing renaissance in the United States seems very real if the right policies are put into place. I think that's absolutely critical. It's mission critical that we build from the grassroots up uh, and that there's some truth to the notion of an America first movement. It's not selfish. It's not isolationist. It's just engaging the world from a position of common sense and strength and making sure we're not leaving our own people and our own interests behind. I also think it's an enormous opportunity to pivot to a much more comprehensive and realistic approach to our hemisphere. I fully support doing things in America first, but I also think that there's a massive opportunity to use the resources of this hemisphere together with the good people of this hemisphere to have a bit of a revival, shorter supply chains, more reliable partners, and then to have a much stronger coalition to squeeze out the cartels, to squeeze out the Iranians, the CCP, the Chinese Communist Party, the Russians, and others who are seeking opportunist influence here in our own hemisphere. Uh, We should be protecting ourselves and our backyard, but there's a positive part of that that could create a more stable foundation for the future. And if we do it right, then our partners in Asia will want to follow along. And that puts the pressure back on China where it belongs. Yeah, it's it's a win-win-win if it's executed right. And that's one of the things that's so exciting about AFPI, all the work that you're doing there, getting really smart policy decisions. A lot of people say, well, America first, that's this nationalist movement. But the truth of the matter is, until the Obama administration, all presidents in the modern era had always an objective to define the American interest before implementing foreign policy. What is our interest then set the policy? Policy from that interest. Somehow that got skewed in the last uh, a decade or so, particularly in the Obama-Biden years. But it, that was the norm for foreign policy until Democrats started branding it nationalism, right? Well, I mean, people just think of it this way, in my, in my humble opinion. You love your family. Of course, you put your family first. Does that make you a bad neighbor? No, it makes you a good neighbor in a better position to help other people. You're in a better position to love your community, your state, and your country if you love your family and you take care of your family. It's really not that different for a nation. And if anyone who's trying to tell you otherwise is engaging in some form of hypnosis that's probably trying to move you in the wrong direction. Yeah, that's a great point. It really is. I want to talk about something that really in the China-U.S. relations has a direct effect on the war between Israel and Hamas, because I think it was maybe about a month ago, Joni Ernst and Dick Blumenthal, a Democrat and a Republican, put out a report really showing the amount of oil, Iranian oil, that China was buying. That, of course, was enriching and filling the coffers of Iran, who during the Trump years had felt the pressure of sanctions. China's really enabling Iran to go on this proxy war that is carried out in Israel and, of course, all across the Middle East, Syria. How do we deal with that? And do you think President Biden will bring that up today? It 
absolutely must be brought up. I just wish it, it all really comes down to how it's brought up and whether there's any sort of teeth behind it. I mean, really, to make China adjust its behavior, there has to be some form of leverage effectively used. During the Trump administration, Beijing was a little bit afraid of what was happening with the so-called trade war and the phase one agreement. And what anyone wants to think of all of that in retrospect, it did have the attention of the Chinese leadership and they feared they might lose advantage that they needed. And so some accommodations were made, even a temporary pause on the export of fentanyl precursors. So with Iran, you have to be careful in dealing with the dictatorship in Beijing and making clear what your real priorities are. And so if this is your priority, you can't allow them the distraction of, say, making a small move on another policy issue, claiming success and say, okay, now you owe me uh, a policy favor in return. You have to keep the focus on the priority. And I think just across the board, President Biden and the entire administration, with the backing of Congress, and as you rightly note, it should be bipartisan too, telling Beijing, if you, engage, if you support aggressors like Moscow, Tehran, and others, then you are choosing to be an enemy of the United States and our interests, and you will not get privileged access to our market. You will face expanded sanctions, and you will change your behavior if you want a normal economic relationship with them. Yeah, that's so such an important message and one that would have been clearly delivered in a different administration, but it seems uh, so hard to deliver in this administration. Uh, people scratch their heads wondering why. I want to turn to something you just talked about, the precursors and the role that China plays with the Mexican cartels in spreading one of the greatest chemical warfare attacks in American history, which is the fentanyl crisis. It's not just a policy issue for you, though. I know you take it seriously as that. But for you, there's a very personal connection to this tragedy. Could you share a little bit about what happened in your own family? Well, thank you, John. Yes, sadly, uh, a month ago, my daughter took uh, an off-market substance that was laced with fentanyl. She uh, immediately had her lung seized, her brain was deprived of oxygen, and we went through 12 days of a very slow brain death process. Uh, and people need to understand that we have this epidemic of anxiety and ADHD and other maladies in this younger generation uh, when we treat those things with substances that are prescribed, then people can become addicted to those things and they become costly and they start to seek those things off market. Uh, and it is precisely that insidious lacing of off market drugs that China is supplying precursor chemicals for working together with cartels, not just in moving the product, but also laundering the money. Uh, and it is being given to people who don't know that they're going to take something that's going to shoot them into the next life. Uh, they think it's something that's going to ease the anxiety of taking a test or just going through the day. Uh, and my daughter was tough and she made some bad choices, but she did not choose to die at the hands of fentanyl. Fentanyl is a super drug. Uh, and so this is something that is, is hitting many more families than my own. My daughter was six days short of her 25th birthday. And we, we had so much hope for her, but we had also worked very, very hard to save her from the powers of addiction and to bring her back to a normal life. I'm not saying that she was perfect or I was a perfect dad, but there are, there are fathers, daughters, mothers, sons out there in our country. I think this is the number one 
uh, weapon of mass destruction on the American family. These these forces aligned are the our public enemy number one to the American family. We have to take an American family first approach to building this back, honoring fatherhood, honoring motherhood, supporting the institution of family and others, and giving the deference to the only power in this universe that can overcome this evil, whether it's addiction or those who are feeding it. And that, that is the one country under God kind of mon- mindset. We just have to get back to that to survive this and overcome it, in my view. And I apologize for the brief sermon, but it does come from heartfelt experience that I bet, sadly, thousands of your listeners have, have gone through. And I hope they feel solidarity, but hopefully we can together prevent this from spreading more. Our, our, our hearts go to you and your family. I've met so many people over the last two years who lost someone from this poison. And it, it's not an addiction issue. It is literally a chemical weapon issue. I mean, this is people being poisoned to death. And, and it is an, it's an extraordinarily different type of drug issue than we've dealt with in earlier drug wars. There was an extraordinary moment. Uh, I think it was in July, if I remember. It's, it's been a few months now. But China had a chance to show its leadership on this issue and attend the Global Coalition to Address Synthetic Drug Threats, which was this effort that the United States organized. And uh, China just didn't show up. A pretty powerful statement. Uh, does that come up uh, today or should it come up? And what can we do to prod China? I mean, you're putting together some of the most important policy uh, concepts for the next uh, president, uh, how do we corner China into acting like a responsible global adult on this issue? Well, we will get nowhere if we're not prepared to shame them to their face uh, about this issue, because not only are they doing it, they know they're doing it, and we know they know they're doing it. And we just have to be unambiguous about that. Uh, and if we can't do that, then really all the other angling among staffers and other working groups is just not going to get very far. We have to put real skin into the game. They have to be cut off in some meaningful way if they don't give verifiable curtailment of their involvement in this. Uh, and uh, and so and you don't really get. Uh, a benefit from stopping the uh, willful murder of our children. I mean, we, we might thank you in some form or fashion, uh, but you're not going to get credit or a concession for stopping homicide. Uh, you just have to stop it. Uh, and that's, I think, what it is. It is poisoning. This is, in, in many ways, an overused term, an act of warfare. Uh, and we, we have to treat it as such. We have to talk about it as such. But there has to be some kind of consequence we're prepared to deliver. Even if it was to say you're never going to visit our country, we're not going to talk to you. That seems like pretty small stuff, but the administration hasn't even been willing to do that so far. So the Chinese treat it as theater, as you noted. They wouldn't show up for the earlier conversation. It makes me have low expectations for what follow through on today's proposed agreement might entail. Yeah, and by the way, they find a, they signed an agreement with Trump in 2019, but they never enforced it, right? So it was just it was just a, a piece of paper. That's all it was to them. There and now a, another piece of paper will probably be signed today, but the question is what does that mean? There's an interesting column today in the Washington Post by Josh Rogan, who I keep a close eye. I know he's been an interesting guy in, on foreign policy issues and he said that one of the things that most concerns him is that President Biden spends a lot of time trying to say what a good friend he is of Xi. And in fact, 
diplomacy, particularly at this moment of extraordinary global threat. It isn't friendship that matters. It's determination and and clarity. Uh, is the Joe Biden, I'm a friend to she, sort of a trap that uh, this president can fall into? Because China doesn't, I think, view anyone as a friend. It only views its agenda as its friend. Yeah, I mean, basically, the talk of the old friend routine goes back to the Kissinger warming with his counterpart in China. It's an old saw. It's a game, but it doesn't deliver results. And the Chinese don't really respect people who practice it. I know from my personal experience, but also people that I've worked with and for in the past, the Chinese actually respect people who say the truth. And frankly, it's time to grow up and treat them like an adult, not like a, a petulant child you're just trying to appease on some small behavior. These are big behaviors with massive consequences for real people. Even those who voted for you, you'd think that there would be a, just a touch of motivation to be serious about this. But playing the word games in this emotional theater of the absurd, I think is exactly wrong. That sends the signal to the Chinese that we're just going to play the same game we've played for 60 years and pretend like we're going to make progress that way. Deja vu all over again, as uh, the great baseball player Yogi Berra used to say. Uh, I want to spend the last couple of minutes. we got a couple minutes left. Uh, you are doing some of the most important policy work I've seen done at AFPI. Uh, and I think at the end of the day, the first uh, test of American superiority in the world is in the Pacific. A lot of our admirals are already warning we may be losing that superiority. But what are the single, the, the, the top two or three things that, the policy you're crafting for the next president of the United States, what are the top objectives, what are the top strategies that we can employ to get a leg up in this relationship with China after all the gains that China has made in the last decade? Well, John, I think it comes in phases. I think the first phase is we have to be serious about taking care of our homeland and our culture. We can't allow ourselves to be wobbly and weakened at home and expect to project power abroad. I think that also follows then to have sanity in our economic relations, which means balancing and having more reciprocal trade and investment relationships. That's fundamental fairness. It also makes for good business, diversifying supply chains and things like that, and stopping the self-harm of uh, the uh, of not d using the the energy and uh, and other minerals and resources the creator endowed us with. We have to be smart with what we have. And then third, I think we have to take I think a, a truly adult relationship with our allies and partners where we we empower them to be able to do much more for themselves, not because we're going to leave them alone, but by them being stronger and more independent, it complicates things for places like China. And so I would sell to Taiwan what it needs uh, to defend itself, not because it'll be left alone, but because it makes it harder for China. The same for Japan. Uh, work with India and other powers so that China faces a more complicated scenario in the world, getting us far away from this sort of two-party world where they can just lobby Washington and have their way. They have to work much harder with many more stronger democracies and free economies in the world. That helps lessen our risks and increase our chances of overcoming this challenge. Yeah, that's such such good advice, such uh, really smart advice. And uh, a lot of people listening today are like, how can I follow the great work you're doing at AFPI at the China Policy Initiative? What's the best way, Steve, for people to follow all the good work you're doing? Well, AmericaFirstPolicy.com is the website for AFPI, and our research materials will get up there. They can also follow the super tricky formula of emailing syates at AmericaFirstPolicy.com, and we'll get you on an up, uh, on an update list of our research and events 
And if they want to follow on X, I'm at YatesComs, Y-A-T-E-S-S-C-O-M-M-S. And if they're interested in some snark and other activity, they might find <laughs> some sensible things mixed in those, too. I, I think they will. As someone who follows you, you do a great job. And, and uh, uh, there's so much wisdom. I, we're, we're at a moment where great policy, foreign policy thinking is so important. There's so little of it on display in Washington. But the work you're doing uh, is absolutely uh, critical. And uh, all the people that I know that are watching China and learning from it have great praise for what you're doing. And Steve, it was uh, an incredible honor to have you on today. I hope we get you back on soon because we'll have to referee what happened and what plays out over the next few weeks in the U.S.-China relations. Sounds fantastic. My pleasure to join you, John. Much appreciated. Great honor to have you on. All right, folks, don't go anywhere. When we come back, Jason Foster going to tell us what he found out from Google about the Justice Department spying operation on Congress. It's a very important topic. It has really profound implications for the separation of powers, for civil liberties. As you know, Cash Patel has sued. I wouldn't be surprised if Jason Foster sued at some point, either under FOIA to get more information or make an argument that his rights were infringed. But we're going to have that next. Now, before we go there... I want to remind you, we have so many great partners, so many advertisers, sponsors that make this show possible, that make the Just the News news presentation, those 50 to 100 articles you get a day from us possible. The television show on Real America's Voice, and I share with the amazing Amanda Head. All of that is made possible by the support of great advertisers, great sponsors, great partners that are right there alongside of us. One of them is my good friends at Brickhouse Nutrition. And I say good friends because beyond being a great partner, They have been part of the team that has helped me get healthier in 2023. I've lost weight. I've changed my diet. I've changed my exercise routine. And one of the ways I've gotten healthy is by taking Field of Greens. Why is that? I know that fruit and vegetables, I've known this since I'm a kid, right? Fruit and vegetables are an important part of diet and health. But when you're busy, you tend to cut them out. You don't have time to cut them up. You don't have time to go to the store or go to the farmer's market. Well, Field of Greens makes it easy. You take a scoop of the incredible supplement, you put it in a shake or in a drink or in a cup of tea, it tastes great, and voila, you now get a whole day's dose of vegetable and fruits with about five seconds of work. You get each ingredient, each fruit and vegetable in Field of Greens was actually medically selected. It isn't random. They were selected to create a specific health benefit for you and me. Some support vital organs like heart, lungs, and kidneys. Those are important, right? Others support metabolism for healthy energy and weight loss and better sleep. I sleep better now. All of that works in the concoction when you put it into a shake or into your drink. It just attacks all the good parts of your body in a good way. Gets you up and running in a way that you don't normally get the time to take care of yourself to do. And so I'm so proud of it. I trust Field of Greens for my health and you can too. Let me get you started. How about we say 15% off? How do you do that? Just visit fieldofgreens.com and use the promo code JUSTNEWS at checkout. That's real simple. Use the promo code JUSTNEWS at fieldofgreens.com. Watch what happens when you start taking the Field of Greens product. Healthier, you lose weight, you sleep better, you have more energy, and you know now you're taking care of those organs in your body that maybe you were depriving a lot when you went to the heart attack in a sack. Fast food restaurants, which you shouldn't do, but we all do, right? We get busy. We know we do it sometimes. Well, this is a way to really make a difference in your life. Field of Greens and my good friends at Brickhouse Nutrition, they've made an incredible difference in my life. I just want to share that with you. And why not? Give you 15% off because they support us. You can support them. One more time. Go to fieldofgreens.com and use the promo code JUSTNEWS, 15% off. That's a great deal. All right. We'll be back in a few seconds with one of our favorites on the show, Jason Foster. He'll have something to say right after these messages. 
Folks, if you owe back taxes, fair warning, you're not going to like this. The IRS is mailing millions of pay-up letters. Millions, I say. Then it's up to the 20,000 new IRS enforcement agents to find you. Why the IRS targets you and not millionaires? Well, because millionaires have tax lawyers. You don't, you'll pay up. Plus interest and penalties. You need Tax Network USA and you need them now. Tax Network USA has brilliant war room strategies to solve your IRS problems quickly and in your favor. Like a preferred direct line to the IRS. They know which agents to deal with and who to avoid. It's not all bad news for you because Tax Network USA learned of a special limited time IRS offer. They're willing to waive $1 billion in penalties if you qualify. So schedule your free confidential consultation to see if you qualify for this limited time IRS penalty canceling offer. To do so, call 1-800-245-6000. That's 1-800-245-6000. Or visit tnusa.com slash justnews. That's tnusa.com slash justnews. Folks, financial experts thought we were in the clear. They were anticipating around six rate cuts by the Fed this year, and then the inflation data came out higher than expected again, just like we've been predicting. Friends, this isn't going away anytime soon. It can't. The U.S. is $34 plus trillion in the hole, and yet we keep printing money, which pushes the prices you pay every day even higher, whether it's at the grocery cart or at the gas store. So, You can either bury your head in the sand or you can do something about it. Diversify a portion of your savings into gold with Birch Gold Group. Gold is your hedge against inflation and Birch Gold makes it easy to own. They will help you convert an existing IRA or 401k into a tax-sheltered IRA in gold and you don't pay a penny out of pocket. All you got to do to get started, text Just News to 989898 and get your free info kit on gold. Then talk to a precious metal specialist on how to protect your savings from persistent inflation. The way to do it with gold. All you got to do to get started on that journey with my good friends who I trust more than anyone at Birch Gold Group, text Just News to 989898 right now. Welcome back, everybody. If you peruse justthenews.com, which I recommend that you do, you would have seen uh, John's story regarding information that came out from House Judiciary hearing closed door testimony by Delaware U.S. Attorney David Weiss, who is the latest a top-ranking witness to confirm in his testimony the veracity and consistency of that IRS whistleblower, Gary Shapley, in the Hunter Biden tax case. Jason Foster is the founder of the Empower Oversight organization that's dedicated to enhancing independent oversight of government and corporate wrongdoing by helping insiders safely report waste, fraud, and abuse. It is thankless work, but we are so grateful for his counsel to so many heroic and brave whistleblowers out there who have come forward. Jason, it's a pleasure to have you back on. Thank you for being here. Yeah, thanks for having me. Appreciate it. Yeah. So for all of the bluster coming from Democrats regarding Gary Shapley and his testimony besmirching his reputation, it seems that even David Weiss can confirm numerous things that Gary Shapley said in his testimony. Are you surprised? <laughs> no, I'm not surprised at all, because, you know, we knew from the beginning that as you know, that it would take time. But when the facts came out, that Gary would be vindicated uh, because, you know, he had the documents. He, he took contemporaneous notes during the meeting. Uh, he sent a contemporaneous email to his boss, who was also in the meeting, who did not object to his characterization. 
Um, you know, a lot of people, the, the Justice Department is trying to sort of split hairs on this, that or the other detail and, you know, sort of confuse the public. But they're really slicing the baloney really thin. I mean, what you know, uh, they're essentially confirming everything important that Gary said, uh, you know, while trying to quibble with sort of the conclusions from that. So, for example, you know, Mr. Weiss uh, confirms in this in his most recent closed door testimony that. Uh, in February of 2022, he did ask for special charging authority. Now, there's a distinction between special attorney authority and special counsel authority, which is really in the legal weeds of people. You know, it doesn't really matter. Bottom line is he asked for special authority in February of 2022 for the ability to charge outside his district of Delaware, which he would have to do in order to bring a case in the District of Columbia for the 2014 and 2015 tax years uh, for evasion of taxes on the Burisma income. Uh, and, um, you know, uh, Mr. Jordan came out and described uh, that sequence of events as being a denial that he asked for it and he didn't get it. So he was denied at the time when it mattered before the statute of limitations on those charges ran out. And, you know, Mr. Weiss quibbles with that and says, well, it wasn't a denial. They didn't say no, but they didn't say yes either. So the bottom line was he didn't have the authority after he asked for it and he didn't have it when he needed it um, to charge, you know, those key charges before the statute of limitations expired. So and what's really important is, you know, we also learned from this testimony, he had monthly meetings with Brad Weinsheimer, uh, the, yeah. you know, the, the the most senior person in the deputy attorney general's office, Lisa Monaco's office. Um, and, you know, he asked w with Weinsheimer and John Carlin, uh, another senior political appointee um, for this uh, for this authority when he needed it. And they said they didn't say yes. What they said was you need to follow the process, which is exactly what's in Gary's notes. Yeah. Um, you know, and what did they and they spent a lot of time, you know, sort of quibbling with the congressional staff about what that means. Follow the process. And, and a lot of people can get confused in the details. But what it means is we want you to go and ask for cooperation from the Biden appointed U.S. attorney in D.C., that's what follow the process means. Every time they say follow the process, they mean follow the normal process. Well, the whole point of, of Attorney General Garland's testimony to Congress was that he assured, the, he assured Congress that the normal process wouldn't be followed, that, that Biden appointees would not be interfering with this investigation because of the obvious conflict of interest that they were – You know, it's, it's the president of the United States' son, and he's the head of the government, and they owe their jobs to him. And so obviously Biden appointees shouldn't be involved, and he assured Congress and the Senate – well, you know, Mr. Weiss is a Trump appointee, so you don't have to worry about that. But when the rubber met the road, what did they say? They said, no, you're not going to get that. We're not going to give you this uh, special authority. We want you to go and ask, go hat in hand to the District of Columbia, uh, D.C. U.S. Attorney Matthew Graves, who's a political yeah. appointee of the subject's father. That is what Gary – that's what caused him to blow the whistle. It was that – Conflict of interest, that inherent conflict of interest, and that's what he objected to in the October 7th meeting to Weiss's face that day, and all of that has borne out to be true. There's been – I mean it's interesting to go back and read some of the articles now uh, where they say, well, there's no evidence that it was presented to D.C. Oh, there's no evidence it was presented to California. Well, those there articles was. look ridiculous now. They do. The entire yeah. news media, with the exception of a few people, look pretty ridiculous. Uh, once again, they've always tried, the media has tried to rush the judgment to protect Joe Biden, even when the evidence and the facts would suggest otherwise. Uh, that's what makes what you do, Jason, and what uh, these amazing whistleblowers, uh, Joe Ziegler and 
your client, Gary Shapley. Gary Shapley. So important. Why? Why what they did? They changed the course of history. There's no doubt. I want to flip to something Mm -hmm. else because you yourself find yourself in the news. Um, uh, It wasn't that long ago that you revealed to us that you had gotten notification six years after the fact that you had been the, the target of a subpoena. The Justice Department, you were investigating as a Senate investigator for Chuck Grassley, snooping into your personal emails while you were investigating them for wrongdoing. Uh, Have you learned anything new since uh, you got that first notification? Yes. Uh, So I have been in contact with uh, lawyers representing Google and they have uh, I've been asking them a whole series of questions and asking for documents from them. And uh, they've provided me the um, notifications that they got from the from the court signed by magistrate judges uh, uh, for that uh, for five of that six years. So there's the initial request that uh, these are non-disclosure orders. These are orders from the court that says to Google, you're not allowed to tell Jason or anybody else, any of his Democrat and Republican colleagues whose information, whose whose phone records and and, uh, text records you saw. You're not allowed to tell them that we subpoenaed those records or that you gave them up. That that was in the initial request. It was for a one year time frame. And then they renewed it every year in September or August of every year for the next five years. Unbelievable. So the which raises the question, the thing that they were ostensibly investigating, I believe, from the circumstances was the leak of the car, the Carter Page FISA application right. before it had been declassified and made public. It was reported in some press in April of 2017. Um, and they essentially they seem to have been go- going after every congressional staffer or member of Congress who had access to that from the Justice Department um, without any belief, you know, without any other basis that they had leaked it. So. Yeah. Um, the question is, you know, the, they charged a uh, um, the head of Senate security, uh, the head of security for the Senate Intel Committee with lying about his relationship with a reporter in and he pled guilty in like 2018. So why after that occurred, which appears to be related to this investigation, why after that occurred, would they still be trying to keep the order for my records and my other co- Democrat and Republican colleagues records secret? After the case is already over, that's the question that I am urging authorities on the Hill and the inspector general to look into now, because I have copies of these orders. I know what the timing was. It was in both administrations. It was the Republican. It was during the Trump administration and during the Biden administration where they asked for renewals for, you know, another give us another year, Google, before you tell your customer that we got their records. Um, and the there cannot be and, and the basis that they cite, the standard under the statute is, you know, that the records might be destroyed uh, if you right. let the person know. Well, they already had my records from 2017. Google That's gave right. them the records. So there's no way right. in 2020 I could have destroyed them. And you weren't so, even working for Congress then, right? You couldn't have any records. You're out of Congress. No, exactly. And and, and they already had my records. So so it, it seems and th- so there's no I don't believe there's there can possibly be any any factual basis that they gave to the court that would suggest that me or any of the other recipient, you know, any of the other people's records who were taken had any ability to destroy anything or there was no legitimate reason to keep it secret. I think they just wanted to hide the broad nature of the dragnet for communications from uh, senator senators staff and congressmen staff. Mm-hmm. Right. And wow. Jason, there there is a fundamental constitutional issue here where you have a government spying on citizens, on individuals, whether it's a Senate investigator, whether it's it's Joe Blow 
in the Central Valley of California. Jason, I know that you, your organization, the people you represent understand uh, the repercussions of something like this, but I constantly hear from people who don't seem to care about the Constitution, I suppose, who say, well, if you're not doing anything wrong, it doesn't matter if the government spies on you. Please, in about 45 seconds, explain to our audience how to combat that type of idiocy. <laughs> well, I mean, I, I, I used to think that way. Uh, you know, um, I, I have learned over the years that, you know, there are circumstances people get, you know, there, there are abuses. There's potential for abuse by the people who aren't held accountable enough. I mean, the assistant U.S. attorneys who signed off on this, who are making representations to the court that aren't true – there's there's no real oversight of it. It's boilerplate language. These judges and clerks just sign off on it and there's no real oversight. And when Congress, you know, and obviously when Congress asks questions about it, you can't get them. So, I mean, the problem is, that, you know, there, there isn't accountability and oversight. And here the constitutional issue is there's a fundamental separation of powers issue. If they can if they can dig up, uh, you know, if they can try to dig up, if they can just in, instill fear in people who are supposed to be doing oversight of them, then they're going to self-censor and they're not going to be as aggressive on behalf of the American people as they might otherwise be. You know, they don't want to pick a fight with someone who who might have something that they could leak to the press that would be embarrassing about them. Yeah. Jason, we just got 30 seconds. Uh, you were talking to whistleblowers when you were in the Senate. Whistleblowers have to be chilled knowing that your communications were being monitored when you were trying to investigate. What's the consequence? Got about 30 seconds left. Yes. Well, I mean, obviously, that's a that's a huge concern beyond just the constitutional speech or debate privilege issues and attorney client privilege issues. I mean, I was also an attorney representing the committee. Right. Uh, but, yeah, there are whistleblower issues as well. I mean, obviously, I had communications, uh, you know, with lots of uh, FBI whistleblowers, whistleblowers and other agencies. And sometimes the best protection for a whistleblower is anonymity. Well, if they're watching my phone records and they know who I'm talking to and they can guess or figure out who I'm talking to, that's going to chill whistleblowers from talking to me. We'll be back in a few seconds with one of our favorites on the show, Cash Patel. Buckle your seatbelt. He'll have something to say right after these messages. BP added more than $70 billion to the U.S. economy in 2022. Investments like acquiring America's largest biogas producer, Arkea Energy, and starting up new infrastructure in the Gulf of Mexico. It's and, not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America. Have you heard you can listen to your favorite news podcasts ad-free? Good news. With Amazon Music, you have access to the largest catalog of ad-free top podcasts included with your Prime membership. To start listening, download the Amazon Music app for free or go to amazon.com slash ad-free news podcasts. That's amazon.com slash ad-free news podcasts to catch up on the latest episodes without the ads. Welcome back, everybody. Let's stay on this conversation about how there have been many efforts to clean up Hunter Biden's delinquent taxes and the suspicions that his accountant had about the first son's truthfulness during his father's 2020 campaign for president. So let's talk to Cash Patel. He's a former federal prosecutor and house investigator and the author of the fabulous book titled Government Gangsters, The Deep State, The Truth and the Battle for Our Democracy. Cash, great to see you again. Welcome back. Hey, guys. Thanks for having me back. Yeah. 
I just want to, you know, I think I think two times ago when we had you on was right when you had filed your lawsuit against FBI Director Ray, former uh, Deputy AG Rod Rosenstein and others. I wanted to get an update on that because the last time we spoke to you about this, we were talking about how it would be it would be really lovely if some of the Democrats who are basically in the same shoes as you are as investigators on both the House and the Senate side, if they would be joining your lawsuit to create a big mega lawsuit. Has that happened? And can you just give us an update on all of that? No, thanks for letting me bring it up to speed. Look, now we know over a dozen senior congressional staffers, Democrats and Republicans, including Senate Majority Leader Chuck Schumer staffers, were unlawfully surveilled on by Christopher Wray and Rod Rosenstein and others at DOJ and FBI when we were exposing the Russiagate corruption, um, what that they lied about to a federal court and the world. And I've inviting and have invited every one of those staffers to come in and join my lawsuit. We sued not because we care about the money. We sued because we care about fixing this corrupt, broken, law enforcement system. And Chris Ray and Rod Rosenstein and Jesse Liu and everybody else that's listed in the lawsuit is going to sit for a deposition under oath in this lawsuit. And they're going to answer questions. And I'm going to do the questioning. That's the whole point is to get the truth out. What justification did they have to spy on congressional staffers who are doing lawful oversight work, which is being suffocated to this day because of their degradation of constitutional oversight? There was a fun moment last week, uh, Cash, and it brought back uh, deja vu memories because uh, just before you guys were about to release some of the most important uh, findings on FISA abuses, oh, the FBI came out and announced, oh, we have some reforms. We're going to change the system. <laughs> last week, uh, just as these new revelations were coming out, we were reporting them here at Just the News, the FBI came out and DOJ said, oh, we've got some reforms that we don't spy on Congress like we used to. Uh, do you have any confidence in those reforms? And what do you think of them from what you've heard of them? That is their admission of guilt. As I say in Government Gangsters, and John and I, we've talked about a lot, there are no coincidences in government. This didn't happen overnight. They didn't just say, oh, we're going to wake up and reform the fact that we unlawfully and illegally surveil uh, congressional staffers. Oh, we're going to do it right after a lawsuit was filed against us in the hopes that we win the media narrative to say, oh, we made a mistake. Well, you know what? I now know, and the public now knows, this is your admission of guilt. You broke the law, and I'm going to come at you twice as hard. And if any one of those other staffers, I don't care if you're Republican or Democrat, wants to come in and have fun with this lawsuit and make sure this never happens to anyone again, you and your offices are invited to join us. We will get this truth out. And I do wonder if you can attach a price tag to the promise of not spying on uh, Capitol Hill investigators. And I'm wondering if that price tag is $300 million because we are now looking down the barrel of a massive new compound in Maryland for the FBI to the tune of $300 million that 70 Republicans voted in support of. All of this talk the last two years about the F, well, four years, the FBI run amok, ZOJ, all of these investigations that have just gone completely off the rails with the FBI at the very center of all of these. And this is how they get rewarded. And that we're about to reward them? Absolutely not. Not on our watch. When President Donald J. Trump is elected um, in 2024, this maneuver will be shut down. And here's the other thing that's going to happen. We're going to shut down the FBI headquarters building and reopening up as a museum to the deep state so everyone can walk the halls freely. And we're going to send the 7,000 agents that work there out across America to chase down criminals and protect our cities. And we're going to remove them from Washington, D.C. so they don't hover around Congress and illegally surveil congressional staffers exposing their corruption. They will not be rewarded. It's not a coincidence that they are trying to play this game of, oh, sorry, we made a mistake, but please give us a brand new building. It ain't happening.
<laughs> That's for sure. Um, Cash, I want to ask a little bit about the news that broke at the top of the show. Uh, James Comer has probably issued more subpoenas in the last two weeks than the entire rest of the time that Kevin McCarthy was in charge. Latest one, Dana Remus, former White House counsel. This one related to the Biden classified documents. So when we were told after the election last year, oh, Joe Biden found his documents, uh, if they found them in November. That's what we were told, November 2022. Now we know his uh, presidential aides were going through these documents documents all the way back to March of 2021, keeping it a secret from us. How important is this subpoena and how important are these classified documents and their potential nexus to Hunter Biden and his foreign business dealings? As you all know, money doesn't lie. You want to catch a criminal in a fraud conspiracy, call the accountant. And boom, they did. Now, I'm glad they did it. And you're right. I'm glad that these subpoenas are coming out at a, at a much higher click and a much higher rate now. But here's my problem, John. I'm going to give him credit, but I'm also going to critique him. You know, they have a dozen outstanding subpoenas that Chris Ray, Merrick Garland and others have violated. So these guys have set their own precedent where they know they can send out another subpoena and the people, the targets of the subpoena are be like, Nothing's going to happen to us. They don't do anything. They don't ever come in here and hold us in contempt of Congress, a felony. They don't ever come in here and, and attack our bosses or take away their funding partially or do anything like the Democrats did. So unless they start doing that, that last piece of it, like we did in Russiagate, um, and start taking some of their money, I don't know how much accountability we're going to have. Yeah, that's a good point. Really important point. Yeah. Well, and Cash, I want to press in on uh, on Hunter Biden's accountant a little bit. And I think that we can all file this under the accounting job from hell being tasked at cleaning <laughs> up or taking some type of account of Hunter Biden's taxes. Uh, but you've now got Jeffrey Gelfound, this accountant, who is is might end up being able to provide some very substantial information, even further than what he already has. What are your hopes for what he can provide? I just want the truth out. I don't care if Hunter Biden overpaid his taxes or underpaid his taxes. If he's innocent, put out the documentation to show he's innocent. But it doesn't look like the chairman of the Oversight Committee would issue a subpoena after a years-long investigation for obstruction of justice, in my opinion, by the Biden White House to cover for his son, by the way. Can we just pause for that for one second? The White House used its powers to cover for the president's son. What if Donald Trump had done that for Eric or Don Jr.? Would we even be having this conversation? that White House counsel can use the powers of government to hide corruption and break the law. I just want it all to come to light. And if Hunter's the person that we use it for because he broke the law, which I believe he did, then let's put it all out there. That's the one thing that hasn't happened. The documents must be made public. And I hope this accountant does that. Yeah, that's an important moment. And I think we're going to learn more about where Hunter Biden's been getting his money from over the next few days, too, which I think will bring us uh, a new sense of clarity and perhaps a new sense of uh, outrage. I want to turn for a second to the IRS whistleblowers. They clearly changed the course of history. That uh, plea deal would never have been scuttled for Hunter Biden had not been for these whistleblowers coming forward. They were tagged. They were uh, insulted. They were uh, called liars and leakers and everything. And now, after a dozen or so interviews, every single thing that they have uh, testified to has been affirmed by Joe Biden's own team, his own U.S. attorneys. What say you of the Democrats who smeared these guys and what danger is it smearing whistleblowers the next time whistleblowers are thinking of coming forward? The whole purpose of whistleblowers is why there's a federal statute is to protect them, to expose government waste, fraud and abuse. And these folks who are no fans of Donald Trump, the IRS whistleblowers, came out and heroically did their jobs. They should be applauded for it. And we should all aspire to be like that. And let's throw in the FBI whistleblowers, too. Let's not forget. They've now been um, uh, compl found completely in the right, right and unlawfully targeted by the FBI for their political military beliefs of all things. So more and more need to keep coming.
Yeah, it's incredible. And just pressing in on what John mentioned, I mean, for a long time, we have been concerned about the retribution against whistleblowers, whether it's these IRS whistleblowers or FBI whistleblowers. But it seems like the tide is shifting because you're starting to see more and more come out. Um, especially within the FBI, who who may not have stepped forward. And I know that courage is contagious, but it also seems like because of the veracity of what folks like Gary Shapley and Joseph Ziegler have said, that it's creating more of an environment of openness for them to step forward. And that's what we need, constitutional congressional oversight. We cannot allow a coordinate branch of government, the legislature, to cede its authority to an executive branch. That's what a monarchy does. We have a three-system, uh, three-level system of government, and Congress needs to take it back. And if whistleblowers are the mechanism by which we do it, great, amazing. And um, I hope more and more come out because, look, the only corruption we're learning about can't be just from these guys. There's got to be a ton more based on the yeah. years-long breaking yeah. of the law. I bet you're right. Yeah, and I think we may be seeing that. Cash, we are always so grateful for your time and your wisdom and all of this, and we'll be great. We'll be sure to have you back on again very soon. Thanks, y'all. Have a great night. All right, folks, that wraps up another edition of John Solomon Reports. A big thank you to all of our guests today, Steve Yates, Jason Foster, Cash Patel, three gentlemen on the front lines of history, on the front lines of common sense policy, on the front lines of fighting things that are wrong in our government and coming up with solutions that will be lasting for the American people. We're really grateful. We're also grateful for our good friends at Brickhouse Nutrition and particularly their field of greens, which has made me a healthier journalist this year, a healthier man. I'm so proud of that. You get your fruit and vegetables in a single scoop, put it in a shake or in a drink and voila, your kidneys, your heart, your lungs are all getting better support because the ingredients were specifically selected to help build healthier organs. Other things are there to help with energy in a healthy way and weight loss like I've experienced. I trust Field of Greens. You should too. How do you get a 15% discount? Real quick, I remind you one more time. Go to fieldofgreens.com and use the promo code JUSTNEWS. All right, folks, that wraps up today's edition. God bless you. We'll be back tomorrow with more exciting interviews. I think we're going to have a great guest. Greg Jarrett has a brand new book out. He's my good buddy. You see him and I together on Fox News. Great lawyer, great author, great historian, great journalist. And he has taken on woke education with one of the most important books, I think, introduced in the marketplace in a long time, one that celebrates our founding documents and reminds our children, maybe they've had their minds poisoned by teachers, but it gives them a way to learn about this country and its greatness and the thought that went into building the United States of America. Greg Jarrett's going to be with us tomorrow. Be sure to tune in. All right, that wraps up today's edition. God bless you. Have a great night. We'll talk to you tomorrow. Folks, financial experts thought we were in the clear. They were anticipating around six rate cuts by the Fed this year, and then the inflation data came out. Higher than expected again, just like we've been predicting. Friends, this isn't going away anytime soon. It can't. The U.S. is $34 plus trillion in the hole, and yet we keep printing money, which pushes the prices you pay every day even higher, whether it's at the grocery cart or at the gas store. So you can either bury your head in the sand or you can do something about it. Diversify a portion of your savings into gold with Birch Gold Group. Gold is your hedge against inflation, and Birch Gold makes it easy to own. They will help you convert an existing IRA or 401k into a tax-sheltered IRA in gold, and you don't pay a penny out of pocket. All you got to do to get started, text Just News to 989898 and get your free info kit on gold. Then talk to a precious metal specialist on how to protect your savings from persistent inflation. The way to do it, with gold. All you got to do to get started on that journey with my good friend, who I trust more than anyone at Birch Gold Group, text Just News to 989898 98 98 right now.